0: motivation can can fade away but inspiration is internal so i always feel it's not in the action but how you feel about that action
1: you i start acting like the sun who is pulling everybody in one direction Mm -hmm. but then there is has to be as you said disconnections and loose coupling to have the people in the team also shine and bring in their creativity and their intuition to work
0: Welcome to the Absolutely Right Podcast, India's first graphology-based leadership show. I'm your host, Aditi Sarana. I'm a behavioral analyst, a high-performance coach, and an anti-anxiety expert. Our guest on the show today is Chetan, who is currently working as IBM's Asia-Pacific Director of Marketing for Cloud and Cognitive Solutions. Chetan, in his 17 years of career as a professional, is known as a people's person. Now, what makes me curious is as a person, he is an introvert. He speaks very direct, he absolutely does not go around making the message simpler, palatable for other people to like him and still he is known as a people's person. Now interesting isn't it? We have all these notions about what a leader should do and should not do. And then you meet people who are high performers in their own right and without having the obvious mold, they tend to create their own version of being the solid leaders that they are and this is what the conversation is without further ado let me invite Chetan and let's get started. Hi Chetan, welcome to Absolutely Right.
1: Hi Aditi, thank you for having me here, really really appreciate it and look forward to our conversation here, thank
0: you. I'm curious and especially after knowing about how many voluntary risks you have taken and constantly questioned the norm it's interesting to see that why would somebody uh, break their comfort zone why would somebody walk away from things that are already working what is your reason behind that
1: if i were to reflect back on this Aditi, i think it's a, probably a combination of i think in some ways wanting to do more you know just wanting to do uh, you know more impact you know do bigger and broader things and it might also be a part of you know a good restlessness which i think i had from a childhood Of just wanting to move and do things and question the norm and things like that. I think it's a combination of the two, you know. That kind of made me continue to push boundaries, explore different things, take some risks uh, in my own right, as you said, and uh, and see where that uh, takes me, basically.
0: And do you think your childhood played a role here? Like, where was uh, schooling? What was the the childhood like?
1: Yeah, I think uh, you're born and brought up in Bangalore. I think uh, my parents, you know like many parents, you know, in India, I think placed a lot of emphasis on education, mm-hmm. getting educated, especially, and these, especially coming from Bangalore. Absolutely. There was a lot of focus on getting educated. And I think my mom always used to kind of say from a very young age, you know, get a master's degree and that always stuck with me. So I continue to kind of, you know, set that as a, you know, a goal that I wanted to kind of make sure that I meet. Right. Uh, and, you meet some interesting friends along the way. I think who have a lot of impact on you. Uh, you know, there's obviously a lot of healthy competition you develop along the way in some of these colleges. You meet some good teachers who have profound impact. One such teacher, that i now Aditi, is a professor. Um, you know, called who's no longer here. He passed away recently. Mm-hmm. In in one of the chemistry lessons, he actually told me, uh, you know, and and few of us, he said, "Please study very hard now." Hmm. So that you can actually lead a good life, and of course, it's a some might say it's a very single-minded, myopic line of thought, which is right. there. But at that point of time, it resonated, uh, you know, so well with many of us that he just decided we're gonna do well in chemistry, for example, just for him,
0: oh. because he had,
1: because the tone that he used was so touching. It was almost like you know a parent telling a child that do this. Right. I like how my mom and dad. And, you know, I think, so uh, we all
0: have uh, teachers like that who are so genuine and so beautiful in their own, own life and their personality. It's true. Absolutely. absolutely. And you just wanna, you know, so uh, anything in time. childhood that you think scarred you in a way that affected or impacted your adult yeah. life?
1: I don't know if it was a childhood childhood as such, but there was one interesting instance that happened somewhere uh, you know, towards uh, you know, early, I think, the PU uh, realm. There was one of these uh, exams that I think a lot of us had written. It was some kind of a placement exam where everybody goes in and you get extra coaching. Mm-hmm. You get some support. You know, like entrance you would, kind of thing. Yeah, you yeah. get accelerated and stuff like that. Many of us went together. I would say about 40, 50 of us.
0: Okay.
1: I think about 48 to 49 of them cleared it. And I was the only one who did not. Like, and we stayed back the whole day. Oh we were God. there in that, in that uh, campus. We hung around the whole day. We wait for the results to come back. I was 100% sure I was going to do it because sure. I, thought I got everything right. I see names. My name's not there. Everybody I know is in except me. Oh my it was, I wouldn't define it as a scarring experience, but it just shocked me. But like, I'm, everyone's high-fying each other like except me. Like, I, I am not in. And then I came home, and I think I cried uh, with my mom and dad. Uh, I still remember we have a small hillock in front of my house in Bangalore. I, you know, I remember going up, sitting there. I thought that was the end of the world because they said your life will get accelerated, you're gonna do this, and I didn't care, right? And I thought that was that was it. And it had dented my confidence, you know, significantly. Everyone's in except me. And it was uh, at least my peer group, my friends, yeah. my close friends. I think that was I mean, that took me a while to get away. My mom and dad, I think, kept talking to me every day because I knew I was not sleeping, it was in my head.
0: Oh my God, uh, that was like genuinely something that is stressful and for because a child I I was was devastating. Yeah,
1: because I decided I was in when I wrote the exam. I was not. At the, end of the day, I was Oh
0: uh, yeah, we all have those things where we think yeah. we are excelling and then nothing happens. So uh, we had asked you to write a handwriting sample on a blank yeah. sheet of paper, which was yeah. an unruled paper. So yeah. for our listeners, I'm going to describe the writing a bit before yeah. I start analyzing. So Chetan writes with the writing going towards the left side, which is the left slant. We we keep talking about the slant is an essential aspect. The writing is a heavy pressure writing. Most interestingly, when he writes his signature, it starts with the letter K and then he writes his first name. I'm going to expound on all these small aspects and as we walk into it, I'll talk about exact correlation between his handwriting and personality and how it must be impacting his leadership style so let's get started before i do that i have a few questions for you yeah. now yesterday when we were talking about talking to each other about you know preparing for today's conversation you spoke some beautiful aspects of leading your team with with your consistency and making sure that you're cons- cons- constantly saying things that they need to shape and and improve and work upon now, why do you think your leadership is different? Because also we spoke to your colleagues and some people in your organization. They also said the same thing. They said, you know, when he leads a team, they know that this is the leader they can count on. So, Chetan, what makes your leadership so different, according to you?
1: Yeah, I, I think I think Aditi, um, uh, you know, I don't know, if different is is uh, you know the right word or, or not. But I think in terms of uh, you know how I work, one I think. I don't bring in a sense of panic uh, into a any, any situation generally as an individual. I, I even if I'm feeling it inside, mm-hmm. I don't project it in a way that it creates a lot of anxiety within the team. Okay. But yet, I think I am vulnerable. Uh, for example, I I will make it very clear that there are certain things I don't know. Like I, I don't have these skills, for example. I will say it in a team meeting, and and I will need help. So mm-hmm. I will kind of do that. Upfront, right. So that is one thing that I bring, you know, very early into any of these, uh, you know, situations, right. That's one. The second one is like you said is, you know, I try to be as consistent as possible, you know, between meeting and meeting, uh, between one-on-ones with, with the team, uh, in a broader forum. Um, I'm very consistent, and if I do see that I would deviate from something, uh, and I see that some individual in the team might feel this way, I have reached out to them before the meeting, like I and I tell them that. In this particular team meeting with these X number of people, I am going to say this. Mm-hmm. And this is the reason why I'm going to say this. And I, I'm reaching out to you because I'm, you, you might feel that, you know, I'm actually doing something that you didn't expect, right? Me to do, right? I think this is, I think how you drive consistency, right? Because it's also not about being consistent, but when you deviate, hmm. you consistently come back to being consistent. Right. And that, I think, an important trait of, I think, being consistent, you know, sure. in, a, in, a, in your own demeanor and how you work with your team. Um, so that was, I think, a very, very good experience. I think.
0: So I, I have your handwriting sample. And one of the things that I spoke about is the handwriting that moves to the left. Yeah. Uh, now, if people talk to you, if they communicate with you, they know this as a matter of fact that you speak very well. And you connect with them and you understand their emotions and you're highly observant. But the writing that goes to the left talks about introversion. It talks about how a person holds back his or her emotions and would not trust easily. Now, this is very interesting to know about you and the combination. So I I want to talk a bit more on this because when your handwriting is slightly larger and in your case, the signature is slightly larger. The first letter C is larger than other formations. Now, when that happens, the communication skill is available to a person. But still, while talking to people, you take a lot of time to open up You keep observing, you keep making your notes, and that comes from the left slanted writing. Now, the combination of two can be misleading because very few people would know that you are an introvert. But people who have known you over the period of time or probably have seen you being very reserved when it comes to certain conversations, they know that obviously you're not somebody who is a people's person the way they talk about it. But when you make friendships, when you actually accept people or the team, That time you become very available to them and more on empathetic ground and not only conversational grounds. So when you bond, you genuinely bond. And if you don't, it is evident to the person or definitely to you. So pretending to just sound nice and get the team going or getting the party started are not your strengths. If you can add value, if you can genuinely make some contribution is where you speak Otherwise, you prefer not to communicate for the heck of communicating. Uh, I,
1: it's, it's, a, it's an excellent you know uh, interpretation. I would say, Aditi, that's why I'm an expert. So one one thing I can draw parallels to is uh, I don't have a lot of close friends. Like I I I, I am I don't have a lot of acquaintances. Mm-hmm, if i may, right. even in my in my uh, you know uh, outside of work life, like I have few friends. I would mm-hmm. say about six to seven of them are extremely close like they would know pretty much everything that's happening right. i would talk to them but there would be a lot of other friends that i have whom i wouldn't open up to the extent as you rightly said in terms of you know my own you know personal life for example certain things that are happening i've changed a little bit over the years but i still go back to those six to seven people right so they're there that's my trusted circle right and in in college for example i would struggle sometimes to hang out in groups uh, where i did not have a strong bond or a connect yeah. and go out and do things it, it would just be a check mark versus right. actually really wanting to be there
0: right. and i
1: would okay. still have my 3 4 friends whom i would be myself hang
0: with genuinely hang with. true
1: absolutely absolutely you know right and i think it's the same thing when it comes to you know even uh, as you rightly said discussions if i see that the 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 discussion that's happening in my you know own perception it's not genuine or it's something that really wouldn't impact and we are doing it for the sake of it i generally wouldn't participate Mm -hmm. Uh, you know just by stature and position in some cases uh, because i have some good bosses who might say chetan because what do you think Mm -hmm. and then i would kind of speak up and say i don't agree Mm-hmm. But by and large, especially early part of my career, if I would see some of these instances, I would keep quiet and I would just do what I thought was right in the realm that I was operating in, right. versus you know being very very visible and, and and flashy. And it might also come from the fact that I do like to underplay what I define as successes.
0: Sure. Like
1: I continuously underplay them and I continuously behave as if nothing big has happened. Sure both on positive and negative side even if it's a disaster so i keep underplaying it so that uh, and i like to fly, fly under the radar uh, okay. to kind of corroborate <laughs> your thing my general tendency is to be under the radar and, which and is take-
0: interesting because you know when you talk about leadership style which is more inclusive and yeah. keeping the goal as your utmost important area to focus on and not the person especially not the leadership i think this is where i can find the clues or threads in your personality to explain that behavior
1: yeah uh, i think you, you actually as you're speaking i'm kind of making the connections in the brain right because i kind of can associate the fact that i'm comfortable when i get to know people i'm available then i'm I, then you know in you know in groups where i'm not 100 percent comfortable i am probably not, you know, communicating a lot. But then I have become available to a team. I'm always available. Okay. Like I'm always there. And there are also some bosses along the way in my career whom I will do anything for because many of them have made that connection wow. with me because they've also looked at the fact that Chetan can add this kind of value and can work this way. And some of them have remained, like I said, yesterday some of those mentors are ex-bosses. And then That's some of them so- them
0: well, because mostly the notion about introversion is about people being shy and struggling to speak, which is not true. It's yeah. only the, the connection and the comfort and the emotional trust that one has to build. And yeah. I have, I being an introvert myself, I know so many people who talk non-stop when they are in their comfort zone, when they are actually with people they know are will accept and, and understand them. So it's not about communication. And this is also for our listeners. If somebody is quiet, doesn't mean that person is an introvert. Probably the person is surely shy because of the social you know discomfort. And an introvert will speak when he trusts and he wants to open up. So there is like this complete misunderstanding that people generally carry around.
1: And, and it's a very good point that you made, Aditi, I don't know if it's a parallel or a tangent to what you're saying. So I actually worked a lot on my public speaking skills uh, since, I would say, engineering. Mm-hmm. Like, I I don't think I was the I was a very good public speaker. Uh, mm-hmm. I remember doing a thesis, uh, you know, everybody's done a thesis in the bachelor's, I right. did it out. I spoke so fast because there were about 40 people sitting there in the college okay. in the auditorium. I, spoke so fast. I don't think I understood what I said. And from that day, I made a lot of conscious effort to kind of improve public speaking skills, right. which, as you rightly said, doesn't really mean that somebody who doesn't open up easily or share his sort of feelings rightly is not great public. It's a completely different realm because exactly. that's communication. This is, you know, absolutely connection. So, true. 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 It's also a mask.
0: You know, <laughs> so. so one of the things that I, I'm looking at your signature and that's, uh, you know, the letter T. It's an important letter in graphology. We speak a lot about it. So when you cross that T, the horizontal line is longer than usual. And a long horizontal line in the letter T talks about a very strong willpower, something that you would not give up. And listen, until you don't think you have turn the last stone available, you won't give up. And that is a positive trait as well as you know a problematic one because sometimes you've got to let go and move on. But that's a tough one for you. Even people, you would, you would keep on working with them until unless you don't think as a leader you have given your best for that person to grow. And some people haven't grown. But you still continued beyond a limit. And in many cases, that has changed the way the person behaved and he came out with flying colors. Any
1: example of that actually as you speak one thing strikes me and and I think again I think this is something you're obviously on the on the money again mm-hmm. so I was in the US in one of the startups and my parents were visiting right mm-hmm. so so I was owning this big project that I had to get done um, and then uh, you know my project leader had left the company and I was owning a fairly big piece of the product okay. and I what I would do is uh, before my parents came in I was obviously living alone uh, in, in my apartment. me coming in going out at different points of time being at work and stuff like that it was also because you were you know you're so you know homesick and stuff work is your solace in any ways, right so i would spend a lot of time working 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 and i was so involved in this project that i wanted to get it right and it was a very very troubled piece of the you know product and in one one night i think it was one o'clock or two o'clock after my parents came in i had this realization that i had made an error and it would actually spoil the entire Testing cycle that would have to go on for the next two days. So okay. it was at one o'clock that I had this thing that okay, I need to check now. So I logged in the remote and then I checked what's happening. Then I could not see the results, the initial results, and I was so into getting it right. I decided I'm going to go to the office. But your parents are at home. It's a very different story, especially with <laughs> mom and dad driving in. You know, Boston. It was winter in, yeah. in and going all the way. So my, I actually took my dad to the office so my dad was in the car waiting uh, I put on the heater I still remember it was winter and he was there <laughs> I actually went and checked and came back only to realize that there was a small error because there was some connection in the in the, in the server or something had come off it just plug it in it was nothing but I went to the lens of actually driving about 20 odd miles uh, in life <laughs> my dad just to go and check right and, and it had become like I have to get it right right. right. So that is one that its. I think something that that uh, you are saying, right? And it's uh, my dad still. Uh, you know, he talks. He's he busy on
0: that one.
1: <laughs> I think he saw some deers in the parking lot. Oh June. my god. <laughs> It's not a, it's
0: so, a, it's not that's right. interesting because strong willpower can also become the, the obsession that most people do not realize. So all leaders who we talk about with strong willpower, they achieved what they wanted, also has that, that lining which is missed most of the time. And I, I think, talk about these gray areas, you know, how the positive traits can have the negative impact and negative traits can have positive impacts, mainly to make sure that our listeners will start accepting themselves for who they are. So if there is something going wrong, if there's something that, you know, they do not understand, it is okay for us yeah. to have the negative trade that can eventually lead to the positive side or other way around. But that is not understood and that becomes like, you know, inner conflict that we nurse for years together. And we yeah. probably need to accept those aspects yeah.
1: of it. Yeah, well said. You know, I think what, what happens is the way you explained the, the the fact that you have trust of, small selected group of people and then you have this ambition to actually drive succeed and get it right yep. those two if they intersect it has to intersect in a very positive manner so that you actually don't end up pushing your team to limits sure. which a may not perceive as the right limit because your limits might be very different from x y sure. c sure. so i think where that comes in is that self awareness of saying hey i have my team i i am aware of what they're going through i'm self aware about what i want to do and there is an intersection and our intersection i think is what i over the years has blurred a little bit more towards people side in terms of saying let's always put people their feelings and their families first and then you know uh, the impact but you got to balance them out otherwise yeah and nobody will work with you i think yeah. <laughs> oh, <wow. laughs>
0: that's true, that's, true. And that, that's like a tough one because uh, results are great but if the team is not enjoying themselves and not learning and growing oh. at the pace they think is comfortable it's always a problematic area oh, exactly. now one interesting aspect we break the writing in the the zonal division so we have something called upper zone middle zone and lower zone of the writing. In your case the writing looks quite balanced in that sense the upper zone which is the intellectual or spiritual area is is well developed. At the same time your handwriting is is a combination of connections and disconnection but I would I would look at it more in a disconnected manner making you more intuitive, at the same time, disorganized. But I want to connect the intuition part with the creativity part and spiritual connection part. Is there anything that you do to make sure that you keep feeding yourself, uh, you know, with or without the requirement of the work and and personal life, just to make sure that you know that I got to build this balance?
1: I think I think the spiritual bit, bit as you said, is something I think that got inculcated very early. I think at home, and I think that dominates. In a, in a lot of ways, right? And I think it, I, I somehow sometimes see when I'm you know working towards a project or to a goal or a deadline, I think the idea always is there is something bigger than this for me to do in life or for everybody to do in life, and this is a small piece of something that we have to deliver at this point of time. So I think the spiritual bit, I think kind of I would say dominates in many ways and kind of brings me back into perspective of you know who I am and what I'm trying to do in, in context. And to fuel this, uh, you know, I I read a lot of books in very, very different, uh, you know, dimensions. And then I try to connect them back to certain things that I'm facing, looking at, you know, in life and so on. For example, the book that I'm reading now is a book called Ascent of Gravity. And it talks about, you know, Newton. It talks about Kepler. It talks about, you know, Galileo. It talks about a lot, you know, Einstein. There are so many parallels that you can draw to you know, the, the power of gravity to how teams actually work together the impact that it can have when the gravity becomes overbearing. I mean, you almost become the, you know, it's like you're the, you start acting like the sun who is pulling everybody in one direction. Mm-hmm. But then there is, has to be, as you said, disconnections and loose coupling to have the people in the team also shine and bring in their creativity and their intuition to work. And that I think comes a lot from the spiritual upbringing I think many of us have where we get exposed to so many facets and we were talking about reverse yesterday. Mm-hmm. You know, when you go in and sit and you meditate and you talk to people. And I have a very good friend who has, you know, taken a very different path, uh, mm-hmm. you know, from where he started. He was my classmate and he's doing something very different in life. He's totally into that spiritual, spiritual. journey. I talk to him, I see him and, and how he behaves. A lot of these things, I think, you know, you triangulate and, you know, and my parents, you know, family and friends, I think they all pull you in different ways. And you've got to use that to help your professional life and your teams also feel that way because it's in some ways an extended family while you're working with them, you spend so much time with them.
0: That's so
1: true. And you write that you're not an overbearing force uh, you know <laughs>
0: like like the overbearing gravitational force which is
1: interesting absolutely i that's something I think.
0: so you spoke about this and you know uh, i also find that in your writing that you stay calm and collected under pressure and i feel uh, for any high performer this is an essential quality to not avoid pressure because this is where the growth happens but at the same time you constantly stay relevant and at the same time in control. Now, is there anything specific that you think about and you know, connecting the fact that you look at life a little bit more objectively in that sense when you are in the problem area? How would you look at conflict and making sure that you become the, the North Star in that sense for people to just choose what is required and not give in to their emotion, emotions or fears or insecurities?
1: Yeah, I think I think one. Uh, just inherently, people for answering this. I actually enjoy these conflicts and problems at work. I keep <laughs> telling a lot of my teammates, if you want to have problems, have them at work. Like, <laughs> problems, right? So, so that is one. So, my general inclination is to get into areas where there are problems and where there are issues where there is a very high chance of failure and ill will, and you know, in you getting written off. I, I I really enjoy that side of the equation, right? I think when I take up some of these things, I think the team, I think one of the first things I think to do is to kind of make aware, Aditi, if, you know, we're talking about this concept of a playbook, for example, right? Like to make aware, first of all, that there is a problem, right? Okay. To understand the problem first and then make aware there is a problem. Mm. And, and it is not just within the team. You got to make it known very broadly mm. that there is a problem. Because if people don't recognize the problem, if you fix it, you know you fixed it, but there is nobody else who is actually realizing something was actually fixed and improved and changed, right? So it has to be communicated broadly. Mm-hmm. I think once that's done, the next thing to do, I think is, as we were discussing, set that KPI, make it identifiable to each team member, set their own North Stars in that direction and also give them the the overall view of what or the text. North star is yeah. for the, the uh, for the project, measure and measure it continuously most importantly at the end of all this, when it comes to success, share credit. Share credit. Because once you do that,
0: mm.
1: it becomes a continuous cycle because people will want to work with you even if you fail in one of these projects, because you have actually shared credit for certain small things in the big picture where it might have failed, but some things we did right. You gotta highlight that, you gotta take, you know, share credit and and basically shield them as much as possible from, you know. Feeling bogged down if there are failures, but share credit very, very broadly. Because without the team, it doesn't matter who you are, right? You need a team around you, right? I mean, you see so many stars in many, many industries. I mean, they are, they are all, they've achieved a lot. And they share credit. I think that is something I learned very early, early, Just share credit with people and put them in the front and say, you know, this person did this. Even if it's a PPT, it's a single slide. If it's a great PPD, share the credit or give it to them. I mean, there's, that's one thing I think I've... Uh, and
0: and we- mostly people don't do it because they are insecure themselves, isn't it? Like we saw MS Dhoni sharing the credit all the time, which was unique and which is funny because in a game like that, uh, leaders before him actually didn't do it. And that became a phenomena, his style. But what do you think what makes people, you know, not do it, especially the leaders?
1: I think it's short term thinking i have worked with several of them along along the way i think it is short term thinking of basically saying i did it and hence i have the entitlement and hence i have to get something in return uh, that is something that i have observed with a lot of people and they they expect that because you broadly communicated that we did this and it is successful you will directly benefit from this which i have not seen work for most of the people along the way right so one is the hunger for success and mm-hmm. being know, short minded. And I think the second one is I think in a lot of ways insecurity. What if I expose that vulnerability that I did not know, and this young person actually made it happen for me? They might question why am I needed? Like why am I required in the organization? And that is where your own role definition of how you're playing as a leader in the team becomes very important. Like is is your role to actually do everything or is it to get people to do their best? and nice. you become one of them right and i think that role definition also has a conflict i think for many people i think as you said insecurity not short term uh, you know success uh, seeking that and then yeah and then role definition of their own leadership style and and there are some good leaders uh, you know Aditi I've, I've seen along the way where people have carried boards uh, you know like a very senior leader I was mm-hmm. working with this person had no qualms about carrying you know posters moving chairs uh, and putting things in order I learned from that, like, you know, I like somebody's got a better idea and you're helping the person. It means carrying, you know, a whatever it takes and putting it there and make it life better. Do it. I mean, don't bother. So it's, it's been done with me. So, uh, you know, I saw it firsthand.
0: I was, I was at the Lakme fashion week the other day and, uh, one of the business heads for a brand realized that the, the set is not happening the way it should happen. So, yeah. an hour before, the business head, who's like the CEO, decided to fix everything with the team. And they were moving the couches and moving you know, the, the stuff, the props. And he said, I thought as if I went 20 years back when we started our college projects. And that time, you know, how much vigor you used to have. I, I experienced it. It was rather a great experience and not a problem area. And which was very interesting. I observed the way he was talking about it. And I said, that mostly leaders forget about. They just they just think that as they move forward, they become more entitled and they are not willing to roll their sleeves anymore. Yeah.
1: And you make an excellent point, right? And if you correlate this to even the technology industry or any industry, it becomes, you are very, as you go higher and higher, you become very horizontal, right? Because you demonstrate people leadership skills, coordination, management, and a lot of, you know, intangibles, but that depth skill. If you look at a T-shape, you need to retain that to actually be a very, very credible leader. Because you have to be good at something beyond being a great leader and a manager. Right? Are you good at programming? Are you good at doing marketing? Are you an excellent salesperson? You know the best way of solutioning things, the best comms person. you got to have something that you anchor on that the team respects you, not just for the intangibles, but hey, this person actually knows this in depth. And in the U.S., some of the, you know, one of the CTOs that I was working with, he would sit and program with me. He is a PhD, probably in his late 40s, excellent guy. Mm-hmm. He would program. He would sit next to me and say, Chetan, come, let's sit. You have a problem? I'm going to sit with you and fix with you. And this is a CTO of the company, like about 300 people. Mm-hmm. He's doing this with a young guy. And then you, you kind of start realizing the depth you know, is is required as you even go higher and higher, you need depth in whichever industry that you're in.
0: Now, I have a question. You have moved from organizations where you were leading 20 people team, three people's team to 20,000. So, you know, the the range is really, really wide in that sense. And what do you do as a leader if you walk into a situation where you have no clue, you know, like a, a wing of a business or an area that you haven't explored before this particular situation and you do not have the depth as you're talking about or the areas where you have depth are not applicable for this particular business or the, the team. How do you manage then? Like, What is your go-to technique for that?
1: It's an excellent uh, excellent question, Aditi. I think there are three things that I look at. Okay, So one, when I was in my engineering, while I went to a very good college, the number of classes that we would have had were very limited. Mm-hmm. And my college actually had one of the best placements because the professors were excellent, mm-hmm. but we didn't have a lot of classes. So there's a lot of self-reading based on what the professors would teach you. Right. So you actually prepare a lot. So it almost becomes like, you know, you're learning, but there's a lot of self-sufficiency that we developed through that period.
0: Which you require professionally anyway. To require
1: professionally. That kind of ingrains you at that, you know, right. 19, 20 years of age. And the second place where I think I got a lot of this, I would say, is in Am Ahmedabad because the number of homeworks or assignments that mm-hmm. you're doing and the pace at which you turn around, and I know you, you've done something very similar, the rapid pace you have to turn around, 11.59, 59 p.m. is the deadline.
0: Yep. You
1: really learn how to get enough information to actually put together something which is logical, tangible, and useful that can be submitted, right? So that gives you a very, very good experience. And in some of the companies that I've worked with, because I had all these coaches, who helped me look at problems in a very, very different light, like this Mm -hmm. and engineering, you know, self-sufficiency, I think gave me that confidence that if you get into the industry, you can read, you can talk to people, you can be vulnerable, you can ask questions, uh, you can learn from your team and just get things, uh, you know, right, Aditi. And then the rest is your skills that you've developed, right, like, you know, analysis skills, deciphering skills just comes, I think, from there on, uh, naturally. These three instances, I think, had a huge role uh, on uh, so, not being I think.
0: But you're also saying that if you walk into spaces like that, and if you're willing to learn from people, you'll always find teachers who will teach you. Correct. And Correct. in case you feel that people are undermining you, how do you deal with a situation like that? Only because you do not know things, which most uh, aspiring leaders fall a prey to?
1: So, I've had these situations as well. And I think one, I think think is direct, you know, face-to-face conversation. The second uh, thing that has worked for me many times is actually just, you know, in, in places where we could meet people face-to-face, just going for a walk, talking about, you know, life and your family and where you're from, what your background is and things like that has worked wonders. There are a couple of places, you know, instances where I, you know, had this mm-hmm. challenge. I asked this individual, hey, do you want to go get coffee, let's just go for a walk. We didn't talk about anything related to work. We talked about where I'm from, what my sister is doing. And somehow after that, there was some level of connect and he said, oh, okay, I, you, you do this or you like this. And then when we came back the next day, there was a major change in terms of how he was actually working because that's some sense of you know a personal connect, I would say, mm-hmm. that you established. So be direct try to establish personal connect but third also know when to walk away there are people where i haven't been able to make inroads with
0: mm-hmm. uh,
1: and many cases some of them have continued to remain for example spiteful but you know you just you just move on one of the things i actually learned from the last thing i'll say is in one of the bosses he used to do it very well he would be kind of what I say, in a very, very good neutral zone, almost with everybody in the organization, he was a very senior VP it was, I know, in one of the companies in the US. He would kind of diffuse conflicts mm-hmm. in a very, very smooth manner by either making good jokes that were contextual or <laughs> by displaying his vulnerability in a broader group okay. where the person who wants to look down upon you already sees that this individual is willing to laugh at himself. Like wow. he's at himself in front of others. So, what is how I'm gonna demean this guy any further? Mm-hmm. So I, I I have done that in many places. I've laughed at myself in many many times. I made mistakes, but you know you just become vulnerable and you you know you just agree that you didn't know, and I do it openly. Yeah.
0: So yesterday when we were talking about uh, your career, you know, progression, there was one area or one situation that you described where you were suddenly promoted. And that, instead of being the most positive thing, kind of created more pressure or tension for you. Please share that story. I think that was amazing.
1: I, very, very interesting experience, Aditi. I think I was in this organization for like about six months, mm-hmm. uh, if I remember correctly. Um, you know, I had done some good work, uh, you know, and I was, you know, beginning to kind of rally a team around, you know, a purpose. We were doing some good things. And I had one of my bosses who had come down to visit us uh, in Bangalore he said let's go for a walk so we were on a walk and you know after five ten minutes he asked me about family life and then he said hey chetan i want you to do this global job uh, for a large release of this product and he said i trust that you can do it and i basically was almost frozen um i actually still remember the vision i mean we i was uh, in one of the organizations which we were walking around it was the back gate of one of the organizations. i still remember the board of that uh, company. <laughs> i just froze and he asked me i thought you would be happy like you know uh, yeah, yeah. You're Giving you a big thing that you want to do i said i need to think about it and he said what do you need to think about it he said about what i said no i just need to talk to my parents i need to talk to my wife he said to do a big job you, you have to go talk to your parents and your wife and then you want to come back he said what angles and i didn't know what to tell him because there was no angle it was just the first thing that came to my mind i blurted it out. But in the back of my mind, uh, you know, the things that were running is one, do I deserve this? First of all, like, am I the right person? Why am, why am I getting it? Like, why me? Which mm-hmm. is
0: in a, in a positive way, why me? Why, why me? Yeah. What, why <laughs> why
1: me? And second, what would others think? Like, would people talk behind the back and say, hey, this new guy came in and he's getting the opportunity. I'm not. I was actually worried about attrition. I was worried mm-hmm. that people might resign. Because Shetan's getting an opportunity. And we have been here for a long time and he's been here for a few months. How is he getting this? Right. Third one, will I fail? Like if I fail, what happens to my repetition and whatever I have kind of built or trying to build as a, as a career? What's next? Will I be thrown out, for example?
0: So for example, Do- if you pick up this thing that according to you, you're not necessarily ready for. It. And what if you fail and then people see you not as this leader but actually losing it's almost eternity.
1: like i told you so like you know i told you so right i mean it, that came to my head like people who say haha he knew this guy will not will not make Stain, it yeah so i actually took time and i and he, he he looked at me in a state of disbelief a great guy you know i still you know chat with him He looked at me he said okay go decide and come back then i obviously thought through some of these Angles. I spoke to some people, you know, from the previous organizations who were my mentors, and then I said, okay, let's go for it. What's the worst that's going to happen? You're going to learn, and you're going to, as usual, you know, worst case, you gonna you See. know, right. But it was a great experience. I mean, you know, I ended up actually, you know, leading a team which had, you know, leaders who were much more senior than I was. Mm-hmm. much more experienced than I was, much more competent than I was, to be honest. Yeah. We did some very small things, right? Uh, it was about setting a good tone for the project, not being overbearing on individuals, setting up simple things like Wiki, where, you know, like I was telling you, a team could find information and make it simpler for them, mm-hmm. or fostering newer ideas pushing people a little bit here a little bit there can we try this can we try that and all of that kind of you know became you know a smaller 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 became bigger stone bigger stone and then we are able to move a few things forward uh, it was a it was a great uh, experience and i and think did, we did you
0: actually have the experiences that you were scared of
1: uh, which was uh, in terms of uh, you know people people leaving
0: or people laughing no, at you
1: no didn't happen <laughs> did not happen and i in fact to the contrary there were so many people who i thought would not be happy for me who actually were Genuine. genuinely happy when i finished uh and again it's uh, you know without taking the name of the organization it's one of the organizations where i have cried when i left
0: Oh so it, was,
1: it was a short stint but uh, i actually you know uh, cried because we had so many you know good memories and what we did and yeah and it it didn't it didn't so it was a lot of these unfounded fears that you have which you know people should not have an opportunity comes if you're in the right zone for it just go for it i mean you know a lot of these unfounded thoughts i would say so you have have
0: moved so many jobs for especially the early part of your career And, and what was the the reason was it like getting paid was what what was the motivation to make these decisions because generally people you know do not want to do that they want to find uh, they, they want to grow obviously but they also want to find the stability so why would you question the stability over and over again
1: Correct. i think some moves were uh, you know no choice left uh, mm-hmm. I guess some because the companies were going through their own turmoils some was i would very honestly say now looking back no logic there was no no logic i'm getting x i'm going to go join that mm-hmm. i'm getting y i'm going to go join that i'm getting this title I'm going to go join there, right? It was three or four of them were kind of in this realm. When I look back at them, were they great decisions? Probably not. Maybe I would have actually learned the same amount and maybe even earned the same amount, but it gave me the experience of different cultures. But would I do that or suggest people do that as they move forward in the career? No. I think if you want to make an impact, you have to be in that role or in that organization for a substantial period of time. To be able to see an up-down cycle, like you know, almost like a sine wave, right? You're gonna go up, you're gonna people are gonna question you again, you're gonna go up. You gotta see this. And that's when I think the true grit, character, your know, determination, all of that actually, you know, comes to fore. But in the beginning, that experience helped me, Aditi. Like because I was so into different cultures and different managers from different nationalities, I kind of got exposed to way too many things, like different styles. Right. different communication styles. Some didn't like emails, some liked only Slack, some was face-to-face. I got to know a lot of different ways of
0: Variety.
1: operating with people. But yeah, but I, I think longevity and stability and uh, having respect for people around you by staying around as long as you can. I am of the one of the professors for uh, you know, human resources, I think Professor Biju of case, I still remember. One thing he told us is, guys, uh, money is going to come when you are at a stage where you can make an impact, always strive for bigger, higher, impactful roles, and not for that salary increment that you get. So if you get into an organization, always talk about the role, Mm -hmm. always talk about the bigger things that you want to do for the company, versus give me that 27% hike, give me 40% hike, Mm -hmm. not a conversation that you should be having anywhere. And his theory always was, and he rightly so, it will follow. If you do these bigger roles right, and if you do it in the right way, mm. this will follow. And I think that's something that I think has, um, you know, See, stuck. Think, yeah. never have a money. I know. I know. Of course, it depends on the individual, but focus on, you know, the, the impact. I think the money will follow if you're doing it right. So one of the questions, you know, uh, Aditi, I've kind of always been pondering is, is there something called way too much transparency, right? When you're communicating with your team, when you're talking to your, you know, leadership, is there anything like being, transparent, you know, in terms of how you're, uh, you know, operating with them.
0: So as a coach, you know, so many times I have to be the bearer of the negative news or things that otherwise unpleasant or your relatives or friends won't tell you. And being committed to say what is needed is really important. And in my career and overall also studying other leaders, I have seen that honesty can be overrated. And I'm being very careful while saying this, and I thought about it, you know, a lot, especially where I used to believe that you've got to be truthful. And sometimes truth can be very, very harsh. For example, if you have a parent who is sick, and if you get a call, and you know that probably is a, is a fatal heart attack or something which is, you know, absolutely devastating, you would tell the person that your father is being taken to the hospital just buying the person some time to process the information though it is fatal you won't say it out loud and then by the time the person reaches the hospital then you he knows or she sees it for herself now that is crucial because what we are objectively talking about is the transformation or realization the information is a mean to achieve that so many times people make it about what i say how i say whether i should say it or not But is it really serving the person? Like graphologically, there are so many things I see every time I look at a handwriting sample. But I won't say that unless until I'm sure that it would help you or the person I'm analyzing or the person I'm coaching. If I give the information which is unnecessary and if it's only going to disturb the person and not be able to to move forward, then there is a challenge. So one of our guests on the show, who also uh, heads one of the marketing departments for uh, IBM Wings, so she mentioned this. She said, you know, early on in, with my child, I used to tell him a lie to deviate him from the demand that he was making in the moment. And someone told me, that's what she said, uh, that please replace that one truth by another truth and not another lie. Great. Oh. That was so powerful. I said that's so interesting because if you can't give the whole piece of information, you can give some part, and and you know, but the, still the truthful parts and yeah. not a lie. I think this is where people choose transparency versus lying or manipulation. But we can then decide the degree of transparency, and I feel it's important to kind of shield certain part of information because. Otherwise, to receive it, willing to digest it, willing to process it. If they're not ready for that, then doing it is unkind, according to me.
1: Love it, love that perspective, Aditi. And something I think I will apply. And I think you, you know, it's almost a, you know, three corners that you gotta kind of triangulate when you actually speak and be genuine at the same time. Thank you, Aditi. In a in a team of stars, you know, superstars, uh, you know, Aditi, like you have, you know, you you end up getting all of them because you have this vision, mission. You bring everybody together but it's bound to create some complex competition, and there is information that spreads about X, about Y. How do you foster this healthy competition still, but actually keep everybody focused on you know, an end goal and you know prevent things like attrition and burnout and, and things like that?
0: If we achieve something which is beyond each particle, then we collectively become this bigger. Ah,
1: love, it. Yeah. love it. But if Thank that
0: you. is not available, and yeah. uh, you know, very few people can do that in an organization, but I remember talking to one of our guests, and he said, "If I commit to moving the needle, if I commit to taking not only the organization as such, because everybody is working for profit and after a point, people don't connect with it, but to specific impact that our product would create, to specific impact that people will be a little bit more comfortable, people who are suffering will have a solution. When people connect to that, and then that context works, People are, are tuned to do larger things. All of us are. And I think we don't do it because insecurity becomes bigger. But when you really have that reason to wake up every morning, as Japanese call it, ikigai, we call it purpose. When that happens, then you you absolutely forget that, that competition within. And I am hopeful, hopelessly hopeful about it, that things will happen in that manner where people will start looking at the larger idea no matter what. So I hope.
1: Love, love it, Aditi. I think it all comes down to purpose, vision, and how you you know, kind of inspire uh, yeah. the team. Thanks, Aditi. I think those are the three things. I think and and the
0: word that you use is interesting because motivation can, can fade away. But inspiration yeah. is internal, right? Inspiration has yeah. that emotional connect. And you're not only doing it because you're motivated for a shorter period of time. So I always feel it's not in the action, but how you feel about that action. Yeah. So people say, okay, as long as you show numbers, it's great. But if you're feeling disconnected, if you're feeling that you're not not you know on that purpose yourself, then the, those numbers won't make you happy eventually, and you won't be able to sustain your your progress. Then there is a problem, and people don't realize it, and they just go for the short term, as you were talking about, and that is detrimental in a long run.
1: Yeah. Thanks, thanks Aditi. I think yeah, those are the three things. us. you're wonderful. I mean, I will implement some of them, and you know, consciously implement some of them. And uh, thank you, thank you for that. Adhavi.
0: Thank you so much, Chetan, for this was a wonderful conversation, very different in that sense, because generally we go more on stories and more on experiences. Today, we had some hard hitting lessons that I'm also going to think about. And, you know, you made being available for people not necessarily a cooler thing, but a necessity. And that is as the language to reach out to the human beings who are working with you instead of making them only the employees or team members. I think that's endearing. Thank you so much.
1: Thank you. And I, I have a lot of takeaways as well. And I think you loved some of the analysis that you shared and your experiences and how you look at this as a leadership coach. A lot of takeaways that I will take back and I will hopefully implement and get better. And, and obviously hope to stay connected. Thank you. <laughs>
0: Thank you. Thank you so much. I hope you have enjoyed this conversation. I must tell you, every single episode brings out something different about human nature, about leadership style. And then you get to see that how some leaders or some people, though they do not follow any rules or they are rather the anomaly to the the norm, but still manage to achieve and create a huge impact. They're empathetic, they're kind. And that's beautiful. That's always wonderful to learn about people. If you are as fascinated as I am uh, with people, personalities and graphology, then you can join our graphology masterclass. Uh, The details are mentioned on my website, aditisurana.com. If you want to be part of our mental gym, which is India's first mental and emotional gym, uh, one of its kind, we do weekly sessions. I work personally with people, closely understanding their requirements and how they can take their performance to the next level. If you want to know the tools and mechanics to do that, you can join our gym, which is called Apt. Aspire Perform Transform. The website link is aptforme.com. Let me repeat, it's aptforme.com. I see you on Friday. We are actually starting a new 10-part series where I'm gonna explore different concepts, psychological concepts. So be ready, be ready to learn and grow and claim the best version of yourself i'll see you on friday till then happy writing